Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by a partnership between Christianity Today and Kairos Partnerships. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us this week on the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Doug Moister. And this week, we're going to be looking at something that many of us have experienced uh, in, in heightened ways over the last two and a half years, and that's anxiety. Um, and we, uh, Bob and I, were really lucky to sit down with the author of uh, a new book that came out through IVP called The Anxiety Field Guide. And um, anyways, we know that this is going to be a real encouraging slash also uh, maybe a little bit of a difficult conversation because we're going to be looking at anxiety where it stems from, what happens physiologically, what happens spiritually, and all the stuff in between. And so hopefully this becomes a great tool for you all uh, as you enter into the summer, where a lot of times the summer sort of lowers the stress and lowers the pressure, hopefully. Um, and also maybe a great opportunity for us as pastors and leaders to pay attention to the deeper things that are happening within our souls. Um, but we know that you're going to enjoy this conversation. We know that there are some amazing nuggets of wisdom to just to hold on to. Um, I think for me, <clears throat> one of the things that has radically shifted in my brain came from this conversation in terms of how I look at anxiety and the things that I worry about. But our guest is Jason Cusick. Uh, he is the lead pastor at Journey of Faith in Southern California. And he previously served as the pastor of care ministries, overseeing grief, recovery, crisis, and counseling ministries. Um, he's also worked as a board certified chaplain, and he is an expert on anxiety because he lives with anxiety. And so we hope that you enjoy this conversation with Jason Cusick. Well, our guest today is Dr. Jason Cusick, and we're really glad to have you uh, on our show. And we're going to get to talk about something that's near and dear to all of our hearts, which is anxiety. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> great to be here. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Jason, you, you wrote this book, The Anxiety Field Guide, Healthy Habits for Long-Term Healing. I'd, I'd just love to hear how you came to write this. Like, what? Give us the thumbnail sketch, this short story. I was I was actually speaking to our church staff a couple of weeks ago. I gave them all copies and I said, I want you have all I want you all to have copies of this because you caused <laughs> this is what I said. <laughs> uh, so I think I've 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 dealt with anxiety my my whole mm. life, I think, but I never really knew it. Mm. And then I took this uh the job as a lead pastor of this church seven years ago. And I just bottomed out. I mean, within mm. the first three years, I was, I was having panic attacks. I was having insomnia. I was, I was, uh, losing my breakfast, uh, on, from both ends, uh, on mm. Sunday mornings before I got up and preached. Uh, so I was kind of a, a, a wreck. I mean, I, I kept going because I have a job to do and was like, I need to get some help. In fact, mm. I had one night where I was, I worked on a sermon for 16 hours straight and it, it like, it wasn't working. So I would delete it. I'd start it again. It wasn't working. I had these really negative thoughts about myself. And my friend was like, mm. Hey, this, there's something going on here. And I ended up meeting this, um, got connected with a counselor that specializes, specializes in anxiety disorders and OCD. And I realized, oh, I got some stuff I need to work on. And so 
as I worked on this, I just made notes of the things that were most helpful to me. And then I thought, well, some other people probably need this. And that's where, that's where a lot of it came from. It's just my own journey with all this. stuff. Hmm. Wow. So I appreciate that because I think in the room, you just, if, if we're picturing ourselves in a room right now with all the pastors and all the ministry leaders who are listening, uh, you probably just named some things that some pastors have felt uh, almost heightened in the last, mm. I would say, in, in the last few years. Um, and, you know, like you start your book by saying we all have anxiety. What, is, what does normal anxiety look like? And how do we know that it's becoming something that we really need to do some work on? Yeah, that's, I mean, the anxiety is just part of how God made us. I mean, we can say anxiety is kind of your natural response to a perceived threat. So, you know, if you're driving in a car and somebody cuts you off, your your body automatically responds. You know, you have like, your heart rate goes up, your eyes dilate, you know, adrenaline uh, pumps into your system. Uh, what you can call that a bunch of different things, but it's it's basically an anxious response. And so we all have it. Um, we have it before you guys have it, you know, before you start recording a podcast, you know, you're kind of like, oh, you're, you're a little bit more wired up. Your brain's kind of spinning around a little bit. So it's normal and natural. It's a good thing. Um, but normally what happens is you get anxious and then something happens or doesn't happen. And then your body kind of regulates again. You know, your blood pressure goes down and you stop sweating and you can think straight, stuff like that. That anxiety is when either the body doesn't turn off and it keeps going uh, or when it uh, goes, it, it just triggers off when nothing's happening, like a kind of a panic attack or a PTSD moment where suddenly my body is super anxious. And I don't know why. Mm. So um, that's and and that's when it becomes like disabling or or, or difficult to manage, kind of every day. Then then we got a problem we're going to deal with. Yeah, but I mean, isn't anxiety at its root? Isn't it unspiritual? I mean, aren't all pastors who are experiencing anxiety? Are isn't that sin? <laughs> You know, because yeah, well, yeah, don't don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, you know what? I That's mean, right. Yeah. So are yeah, you I, that was the that... that was the first that was one of the first responses I got when I hmm. actually shared my anxiety with the congregation. Somebody came wow. up to me afterwards and said, "Well, you have a spirit of fear. Let's pray that mm. out of you." And you know, it was well intentioned, but it does come from this kind of unhealthy dualism that we have. Um, I'm always relieved when I look in the Bible and I see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane sweating drops of blood mm. and saying, I'm overwhelmed to the point of death. I'm like, well, mm. I guess Jesus dealt with anxiety. I guess it's okay mm. if I have it too, you know, or the prophet Elijah in a cave, unable to think straight, having what mm. seems like a post-traumatic stress moment and saying, God, just kill me now. I'm mm. no better than anybody that came before me. So I think we see like a lot of great pictures of of people throughout scripture that dealt with anxiety um or or let's say maybe learn to invite god into that anxiety rather than mm. having it extinguished you know or to to pray mm. it away 
you know what is what does it look like i'm just i'm thinking about how you said something really pointed where you said uh inviting god into the anxiety Uh, i mean really practically what is that what does that look like for I mean, I I can just hear the pastor saying like, wait, why why would why would you invite God into the anxiety? That that doesn't make sense, or or that that just seems weird. So, yeah, what what is that, and 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 how does that how does that work? Yeah, I guess uh, maybe uh, an equivalent to to that idea is how we healthily or unhealthily deal with any temptation or struggle that we have in our life. You know, if we're tempted Mm. toward anger, we're tempted toward lust, or we're tempted toward, uh, you know, kind of an apathy. uh, One approach is, you know what, I'm going to, I need to stop this. I need to stop this lust. I need to stop this anger. Let me shut it down. Let me get rid of it. Let me deny it or push it away. That's, that's one approach. Um, the other approach is to say, okay, God, here's what I'm feeling right now, mm. or here's the thoughts that are coming to my mind that don't line up with how you want me to live. And rather than shaming ourselves for being tempted, I mean, temptation is not sin, uh, rather than, you know, trying to shut down what is maybe some unwanted thoughts or feelings, we can say, okay, God, here I am feeling and thinking these things. Be with me right in this moment and help me to experience you. And God, may your voice be stronger than the other voices, you know, that I'm I'm getting. Or, you know, can you be with me in this to get me through it? Almost like Psalm 23, mm-hmm. you know, that that you're with me in the valley of the shadow of darkness. It doesn't say, God, you never let me get into a valley of shadow of darkness. Or once I get into the valley, you immediately get me out. No, mm-hmm. you're with me in it. And that's, I, I think that was a fundamental shift in my experience with anxiety, because I think I had this idea like, I need to get rid of this. I need to stop this. Hmm. And um, because it is bad. And that didn't work for me. That just made me more anxious. <laughs> you know, Now I'm stressed out because I got to get rid of something that I can't even figure out what it is. Yeah, you became anxious about your anxiety. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. In the book, you talk about experiencing our thoughts and feelings without endorsing them. That was a phrase mm-hmm. that really grabbed me. I, I I wonder if you can explain more of what you mean by that. Yeah, um, I think all of us have kind of unwanted thoughts or feelings. We've all had times where something came to our mind. Hmm. And we're like, where did that come from? Um, some of us might have grown up in a culture where if you have an unwanted thought or a feeling, then you go, oh, what does that say about me? Hmm. Um, but we have unwanted thoughts and feelings all the time. Um, that happens all the time. Hmm. So, like, I mean, dreams are a lot like that. You know, you have a dream where you do something terrible. You usually don't wake going, you don't wake up going, I can't believe I did something terrible. Or deep down in my soul somewhere, I must want to do this terrible thing. You know, go, okay, that's what happened. I was at the Grand Canyon a while back and um, I looked over the edge and I was like, oh my gosh, that's huge. What would it be like to, to 
to fall off of that. Hmm. I didn't go, I can't believe I want to commit suicide. I was like, no, it's actually, it's actually a pretty common thing when you're standing at a height to have mm-hmm. a feeling of what would it be like to go over the edge. That's a very normal thing. It's not, there's no intention behind it. Hmm. So to kind of recognize an unwanted thought or feeling and acknowledge it without freaking out. And then maybe to gently examine it to let yourself kind of think, does this thought or feeling reflect who God wants me to be or who I am? And if not, then I can kind of just Hmm. put it over here on the shelf and I can go back to what I'm supposed to do. That sounds like such a beautiful way of looking at, um, I, I think back to a Dallas Willard quote when, when he said, um, our, our emotions, our feelings make, make great servants and terrible masters. And, and it's, you know, it, it's, it's exposing in us something that, that might be there. Maybe it's a curiosity or maybe it's something real, right? Like maybe I'm, I'm feeling very anxious right now and, and, I think a lot of us, a lot of pastors that, that I feel like I've talked to, or even in my own experience, it's, it's been, I'm feeling anxious and yeah, I just need to stop. I need to stop being anxious. Like it's that just that simple. Like Jesus says, I should be like the birds. They don't worry. You know, they're, they're not worried about what they're going to eat or what they're mm. going to wear. Um, but I think to actually recognize that it, it, it's, it's, it could be really bringing us to a space of prayer, a space of, of honesty, a space of, mm. Uh, where God wants to invade and show up. And I think like, I guess my question is, how do you see, or how might, how might one begin to understand what that looks like when God shows up in our anxiety? Like, what does that feel like? Well, I can tell you what it feels like for me. It's not like this incredibly consoling, you know, ah, I have this warm, you know, the warm Mm. fuzzies of God's presence. You know, it's really a little bit more akin, I think, to what Paul was talking about when he says to take your thoughts captive. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, he's not talking about mental wellness. He's talking about theological arguments in that thing. But it is interesting that he doesn't say that. He says to take your thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ or these ideas captive. So for me, it's a much more intentional, um, thoughtful, um, present, um identification it's like a skill of actually thinking through my thoughts and acknowledging them and kind of breaking them down in in anxiety treatment they talk about cognitive behavioral therapy is kind of the uh the approach in counseling and that that cognitive behavioral therapy is you're actually examining your thoughts and examining your behaviors and trying to change your thinking and behavior so it's a very thoughtful process so i think part hmm. of it for me is stopping in that moment and identifying the thoughts and feelings that I'm having, putting words to them, acknowledging them. Um, and then the other part of it is taking advantage of some, some very simple skills of learning how to kind of quiet myself in that moment. Because one of the things that I found most insightful as I was reading about this and working through this in my own life is how much of anxiety is physiological. I mean, when I get anxious, it, my brain is taking over with certain survival skills. 
you know, time, time to have my heart beat faster. That isn't a choice. I mean, none of us actually have that choice. You know, if I were to come into a dark room and I were to sneak up behind you and grab you on the shoulders, you wouldn't go, "Uh oh, I better have my heart rate increase now. Oh, I should startle. Those are like reflexes and they're God given and it's wonderful. But when we're anxious, there's our body is actually taking over at that moment. And so I think part of being with God in that moment is recognizing we are body and spirit and just maybe taking some very practical steps to mm. calm my body down and hopefully kind of trigger my brain to relax. Mm. Um, and sometimes that's an intellectual thing and sometimes it's a, a, a physiological thing, a muscle memory thing. Um, those are the two things that come to my mind, mm -hmm. you know? Well, I mean, it's a great way to think about what anxiety is in terms of, you know, it's a, it's a helpful defense mechanism that sometimes works against us if we're not, you know, if we're not careful or if it gets a little bit out of whack. So as you were writing this, as you were thinking about this, as you were living it, I mean, it, it, maybe it's too simple too simplistic a question to ask, but like what causes anxiety and, and how do I distinguish between if there's something that might be chemically off in my brain or if it's a matter of wrong thinking that, you know, I need to adjust my perceptions or my, my, my core beliefs or even is there something spiritual happening? How, how do I know or should I even worry about the distinctions and just treat all anxiety the same? You know that that's a great question because when I went to when I went to my my counselor in the first first time I did a, like a little assessment and I did some of my own armchair diagnosis and my mom struggles with um, some undiagnosed OCD hmm. so I said listen I got a lot of stuff going on I just stepped into this new spiritual position of leadership I I have some OCD in my background I've got some what they call repetitive body behaviors. You know, I have like mouth biting and my, like my leg is bouncing up and down right now. So I have certain things that I do physiologically. And then I'm also anxious. And he said, okay, well, let's get started. And I said, well, do I have OCD? Shouldn't I do like an assessment for OCD? And he said, well, if you have OCD or not, we are still going to treat all this stuff the same way. And so I thought that was really interesting, like some of the basic skills for helping people be less anxious, whether or not they are just struggling with going through a season of life, or they have a straight up anxiety disorder, or they have OCD behavior, or things are just tough. A lot of the same principles apply. There's some body stuff, like learning how to physiologically relax and breathe differently. Mm -hmm. There's some scheduling stuff, like keeping track of your schedule, figuring out when you're kind of managing your energy well, when you're more vulnerable to anxiety at some times versus others. Paying attention to specific triggers that you have, because not every, not every one of us is triggered to anxiety by the same things or in mm -hmm. the same ways. 
And then also if it's lingering or it's still challenging, um, there are medications uh, that deal with synapses in the brain and uh, how serotonin and dopamine are regulated in the body, which I find fascinating. We think happiness is, um, we talk about how happiness is a choice, you know, but your, you, our experience of happiness is actually directly related to a chemical in our body called serotonin. <laughs> so we go, oh, I'm happy now. Yeah, your physical experience of that is not simply an intellectual choice that you're making. Mm. So I think looking at, okay, there's like kind of a tool bag of different skills and different things mm -hmm. that can help, you know, just going through a, a little anxious time, maybe just getting over a hurdle of a job change or something like that to longer issues and, and deeper issues. Mm. Um, I know for and the other part too, is just your schedule. Like I mentioned uh, for a lot of pastors, Monday morning is emotionally wrecking. Um, mm. But for others, it isn't. So I think for pastors and for other people saying, what days of the week am I most energized? What times of the day mm -hmm. or times of the week am I most vulnerable? Not just to anxiety, but any temptation. And then how do we plot that out? You know, and kind of plan ahead. What helps me when I'm going going down emotionally? What helps me when I'm kind of a little bit more manic? The the way that you're talking about anxiety is so much more nuanced than kind of the binary uh like Anxiousness, worry, sin, uh, trust, dependence on God, good, like that kind of dichotomy that that many of us have grown up in. Um, I'm wondering. So as you as you do think about this, we've we've mentioned a couple of verses, the big ones. Uh, don't be anxious about anything. Uh, don't worry about anything. Jesus says. So how do those? How do those fit theologically for you? How do you think of those? And uh, how do we? How do we fit those into this more nuanced idea or complex idea of, of anxiety? Yeah, that's a great question. Maybe we could maybe if we expanded it and, and we said, you know, is is sexual arousal bad? Mm -hmm. Well, it not inerrantly, but the expression of it could be bad. Is anger bad? Well, so theologically, we would all say that body, spirit, emotional, physiological reactions that we have, they're already very nuanced, right? I mean, we mm -hmm. wouldn't say that anger is necessarily bad or that sexual arousal isn't necessarily bad. It's what we do with it. Anxiety would fall under the same category. Anxiety isn't necessarily bad. Now, what Jesus mm -hmm. is talking is teaching on anxiety is he's talking about that ongoing preoccupation hmm. that people that don't have an intimate relationship with God, it's that constant preoccupation that they have about where is my next meal going to come from? Hmm. And what am, will I have clothing to wear? Will I have shelter? Now, you know, they're not first world problems. Those, you know, like those are definitely the problems in that day. That's what they worried about. And, and I look at Jesus's words, not, he, notice he doesn't say, 
don't worry about anything. Next topic. You know, it's it, it, as Jesus is teaching, he's saying, I don't want you to be worried about anything. Here's how. And then he gives them some things to think about. Uh, I actually think when he says, look at the birds, I think it's a beautiful invitation to our contemplative prayer. Hmm. Less cerebral. Like, you realize birds don't worry about anything. You shouldn't either. I don't, I don't think that's what he's saying. I think instead what he's saying is most of Jesus' teaching happened outside. I think he's walking along the road and he's saying, for example, look at these birds over here. God loves you more than them. And God is taking care of you. So I think he's inviting people to reflect on the goodness of God, the provision of God, when they get preoccupied with that worry. Now, an argument can be made when Paul writes in Philippians to not be anxious about anything. By the way, he also doesn't say, don't be anxious for anything. Next subject. He says, no, with gratitude, make your request known to God. Pray, but make sure your prayers are filled with gratitude. And then thank God for what he's done, which means as you're praying, you're supposed to be remembering mm. and looking at the evidence of God's provision in your life. That can help you with anxiety. And then he says, and all these things, focus on what is good and right and holy and, and pleasing. So he's actually encouraging people to shift their mindset toward things that are going well mm. versus being fixated on what they're worried about. And an argument can be made grammatically that he's, he's less saying, don't worry. He's more saying, stop worrying. And then he gives some ideas about how to stop worrying. And so I think some of that is that invitation to, rather than a command, don't do this, don't do this. It's, here's a kind of lifestyle in the spiritual life that actually disconnects you from God. Here's a way you can reconnect with God. Do something different with your anxiety. And I think for those of us that have spiritual influence in people's lives, that normalizing and invitational way of talking about anxiety is much more palatable to the modern person. And I think it's really indicative of what the New Testament is about. The New Testament is about invitations to walk closer to God. It's not about moralistic decisions to stop doing bad things and start doing good things. And I think it's especially true when it comes to anxiety. I feel like there's so much in just the way you unpacked those passages and especially how you said at the end, just maybe it's not just about doing bad things, but maybe it's actually about um, seeing these beautiful invitations to live a different way. And and I think like, yeah, my, my sense is there's so many pastors that just are wrestling and people in general that are just wrestling with that. Like anxiety feels like the big thing that, 
is just out there and it's going to get me. It's around every single corner and, and it's, it's unnamed, you know, it, it feels like there's just, it's, it's in the air we breathe. It's all over. Um, and, and I, I think part of me just wonders for those who are saying, yeah, I know I'm anxious. I know these, this anxiety is a real thing. What are some simple practices that you would recommend for people who are saying like, I know it's there, I'm, uh, but I, I just, I, I long to be, living in a way where, where it's, where I'm actually, yeah, it, it's not running, it's not running my life, but I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention to it. And the Lord is healing me in those places. Let me start with probably the thing that, that I said earlier, helped me the most. Um, when I first started reading and understanding anxiety, a lot of it was about the, the, the neurochemistry of what's going on with anxiety. And I realized very quickly that I, I basically deal with my body and my brain the same way I deal with my car. I have no idea how it runs. I just get in there, I turn it on, and I go. Um, but, but understanding the brain, here's something that's just a simple, simple tool. And it actually goes back. There's a bunch of great Christian stuff on prayer. Just simple breathing exercises. Hmm. In the, when, you're, when, when a person's in the anxious moment, when I'm in an anxious moment, we know physiologically and neurologically that breathing uh, brings oxygen to the brain and to the body, which is like a soft reboot of the mm -hmm. brain. I mean, right before we got on this podcast, my computer was going nuts. And what did I do? I turned it off and turned it back on again. And, and it's mm -hmm. good now. That's kind of what deep breathing can do. So I've actually encouraged people, and I do it myself, when I'm in those anxious moments, to actually take some deep cleansing breaths. And, and for some people that might sound real new agey. Well, it's not because God made the body. And we know in Genesis that God breathed into our bodies, the breath of breathing is no religion has a claim on breathing. <laughs> Only God does. <laughs> you yeah, know, like, that's good. like, that's a God thing. Yeah. Um, so taking those deep breaths. And in my life, I've, I've, I've made it very Trinitarian. I'll, I'll, I'll take a deep breath in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And mm -hmm. we know that that actually does something to reset things. Um, mm -hmm. Also intentional relaxation in the body as mm -hmm. a prayerful reflective exercise. So that's the physiological part of it, which I, I don't think we talk about enough in Christian circles. I don't think we, I, I don't think we have a good theology of embodiment. And so as a result, a lot of other religions and a lot of other kind of new agey or even kind of earth-centered philosophies have kind of tapped into it and they go, that's our faith. And then when we say it, you know, conservative Christians freak out. But this is, this is God made us body and spirit. We're intended to be embodied spirits all the time. That's why death is called an enemy. It's a temporary cessation of body-spirit connection, right? So... So deep breathing is one. Um, the other thing that I've learned is, is what, what Paul does talk about in Philippians, and that is an intentional shift in focus mm -hmm. of what am I focusing. It's not, it's not that we ignore the bad things. Mm -hmm. It's that I do have a choice of what I'm focusing on in that moment. And Sometimes some of us are either hardwired or we grew up with 
the idea of focusing on negative stuff. Hmm. We often think, well, I got to focus on this problem in order to fix it, you know, and we know from leadership and things like that, that actually sometimes that's the worst approach. Um, being able to be intentionally focused on the good. And I think that's another area where we as Christians struggle because I think our churches have our churches and pastors and Christians, somehow we focus on so much of the bad. And and that makes us actually feel more spiritual. You know, we kind of look out in the world and we're trying to predict the end times by looking at all the terrible things that are happening. Um, or we feel like the best way to help our kids is to identify all the negative things that rather than spotting the positive things mm. they're doing mm. and emphasizing those. Um, and then one other skill that's been very helpful for me is scheduling my worry. Mm. And that is, I'm going to focus on the positive, but I still have this thing that's nagging at me. Like I'm worried about bills. Well, just focus on working. But in the back of my mind, I still got this worry about bills. And so one of the tricks that's been helpful for me is when I'm worried about something, I'll pull up my notes page in my phone and I'll, I have a worry page and I'll say, you know, this is what I'm worried about. And I'll write it in and then I'll schedule a time to worry about. Mm. Now, sometimes I get around to that time and I'm not worried about it anymore. Other times I'll get around to that time and I'll say, okay, I'm going to give myself 10 minutes to worry about this. And then when 10 minutes is done, I'm done. Hmm. And it's kind of a discipline of shifting your mind. But sometimes if I'm worried about something in the moment, I say, I'm never going to worry about that again. <laughs> oh, that's not going to work. It's going to keep popping up. But if I say, I'm not going to worry about this right now, little voice in my head says, but you should worry about it. And then I can respond. I will tomorrow. <laughs> Thursday. <at> yes. 12, <laughs> 15. <laughs> yeah. And then I can focus back in because now I've, hmm. I've, I've booked some time. You know, mm -hmm. um, and maybe there's something else on the worry list that I can that pops up. And actually, this one's a little bit more of a worry. Mm -hmm. Give myself to it and whatever we mean by worry. Maybe that means praying about it. Maybe mm -hmm. it means ruminating. Maybe it means I need to think of all my options. It mm -hmm. could be a form of problem solving. Um, but giving myself space for that thing. And that might push against some of the black and white moralistic approaches that we have toward hmm. right behavior. I was talking to a dietitian the other day and this person met with her and she was like, I can't eat chocolate chip cookies. I should never eat chocolate chip cookies. And the dietitian was like, no, you, you could eat a chocolate chip cookie. Don't make, can't eat, don't make chocolate can't eat chip, all cookies. The chocolate chip cookies. Right. Don't eat all of them. But again, we have, and that's one of those problems with yeah. our, anxiety is we have these cognitive distortions like we have black and white thinking yeah. or catastrophic thinking and yeah. biblical thinking bob like you were saying it's it, it's a bit more nuanced yes. than that yes and yeah. the spiritual life is nuanced and so it's filled with uh grace and truth mm. um, and so if we can lean into that a little bit i think that can so, I mean, those are some really practical ways to uh, deal with our own anxiety. But what, what if we're what if we're living with someone or working with someone who is really struggling with anxiety? How how can we be helpful to that person? And how do we like what should we do? What should we not do? Like, what's the worst thing to do uh, with someone who has anxiety? 
I was, uh, I was preaching on anxiety and I said, let's look what Jesus said. And I just put up on the screen, do not worry. Mm. And I just said, look what Jesus said. Don't worry. I said, when I first read that, I was like, that's the worst thing to say, Jesus. Like, don't, don't, don't say, just don't worry. So I, I, I would say that, that the, the thing that we should avoid doing in any realm of life generally is the quick fixes that we tend to go to or the shutting down of thoughts and feelings. Don't worry about that. Stop thinking about that. That's like, don't think about the pink elephant. You know, that doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, so just that kind of very moralistic command oriented thing is something that we should stay away from. I also think we should stay away from um, advice that requires a person to have absolute certainty about something. Anxiety is an intolerance to uncertainty. So basically, we get more anxious when we don't know something. So then we think, if I can just be sure that I won't be anxious anymore. Now, the problem is, what can you in this life be absolutely 100% sure about? There's uh, almost nothing. So non-anxious people have learned to develop a tolerance for uncertainty. But when anxious people are in our life, sometimes what we try to do is we try to give them certainty in hopes that the anxiety will go away. So I think being present with somebody to let them know that you're not judging them and that you're not trying to fix them or stop them is the big thing. People struggle with anxiety. They struggle with anger. They struggle with lust. They struggle with greed. We struggle with stuff. All of us do. So being able to accept that this is something a person is struggling with and to not try to immediately fix them or give them information that you think will sometime, will somehow eliminate it. Um, those, those are really big things. Um, and then helping them as they start to own some of that self-control of their thoughts and feelings to, to invite them to share that with you. And, um, um, to encourage them in it. My wife is, is very good at recognizing when I'm verbally ruminating and it's not going anywhere. You know, I think Corey Ten Boom said that worry is like a rocking chair. You're moving, but you're not going anywhere. Um, so she knows when I'm rocking back and forth and she's able to say, how much longer would you like to talk about this? Or do you feel like we're kind of at the end of, of this time of thinking about this. And that can kind of, oh, yeah, wait a minute. I need to turn this off and focus on something else, mm. you know? So that's very helpful, too. Okay, but but what if their anxiety is really weird? <laughs> like, I lived, I lived in Portland, and I knew someone that didn't want to cross bridges. And you can't live in Portland and not cross bridges. So I think their yeah. whole day was just a mess all the time. What, yeah, what if they're afraid of squirrels or, you know, how do you, it should, can we judge or can we help people to not be anxious about dumb stuff or like, how do we, how do we think about that? Yeah, that's <laughs> I'm being a little tuggy the primary, too, but, yeah. The, the primary approach for dealing with anxiety is called exposure response prevention. And the idea is, 
um, you have learned through some way to be anxious. And now your body has, and your brain have registered that thing as something to be afraid of. But the mind is very adaptable. The brain is very adaptable. So you can relearn. Um, and the way you relearn is by facing what you fear. So the exposure response prevention is basically you are exposing yourself to what you're afraid of in small, gracious, systematic ways so that over time you can become less sensitive to that anxiety. So my wife's a great example. My wife has been afraid of spiders for a long time. Uh, she doesn't like them. She doesn't want to look at them. I made the mistake of taking her to see one of the Lord of the Rings movies, and I forgot Ooh. that there was a massive spider scene in the movie. It was yes. awful. Uh. I had to pry her off the ceiling of the theater. But um, we have things where, so she was afraid of that. So I was talking to her about exposure response, and I said, okay, let's let's take the first step. She was open to it. I said, let's just talk about your fear of spiders. What are you afraid of? What freaks you out? Is it the size? Is it how quickly they move? Is it their furriness? Is it stuff like that? That was already enough. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. looking at Bob right here. You're, yeah. you're even shaking like that. I'm, like even to you. think about what you're afraid of is the beginning of exposure. And then what we would do in that process is we would say, like if I'm talking to you, Bob, are you afraid of spiders? Is that yes. part of what it is? Oh, yes. Like, okay. So what we would do is we'd talk a little bit about spiders. And then through this conversation, I'd say, now let's take some deep breaths and tell me some more. Yeah. And we talk about it. And then we would get through this conversation and you would walk away going, I had a whole conversation about spiders and I'm okay. Now the alarm in your brain is saying, don't talk about mm -hmm. this. Don't talk about it. But after a few conversations, your brain is, I mean, if I can anthropomorphize your brain, your brain's going to go, oh, so we talk about this now? Mm -hmm. So I don't have to turn on the alarm when the word spider comes up? Okay, I won't. Then I say, let's, let's do this. Can I show you a couple of pictures of spiders from across the room? Maybe just one. Maybe we'll just look at one. Or you know what? Maybe what we could do is, because you just go <laughs> back at that point. Maybe I'd say, I, let's just imagine a spider in our minds. And let's do that for about five, you know, five seconds. And then I'd say, how are you doing? We start walking through that. What would happen is you go from saying it to thinking it, mm -hmm. to experimenting with it, to persisting in that. Last week, my wife killed a spider in our living room. No problems. She turned around beaming with pride. <laughs> Uh, look what I did, you know, whereas wow. before she'd have to call me you know, from another room to come take care of this. So it's fear of elevators. It's fear of yeah. spiders. It's fear of the water. It's fear of riding bikes. It's fear of unusual sounds. It could be unique phobias, mm -hmm. this slow systematic thing. And what's happening is we're retraining the brain to not have the alarm mm -hmm. go off anymore. Mm -hmm. Or when the alarm is going off, we're just not paying attention to it as much. So when you guys started this podcast, 
you were anxious. You, you're about to speak to a bunch of people. You're about to talk to somebody you've never talked to. There's a lot going on. But you are probably less sensitive to that anxiety now than you were the first podcast you did. And the reason is because you just did it and then you kept doing it. Mm -hmm. That's how people overcome mm -hmm. anxiety. That's what happened when Peter stepped out of the boat and mm -hmm. walked to Jesus. He knew what storms were like. He's a fisherman. He knew how deadly that thing was. He wasn't even convinced that was Jesus. He was like, is that a ghost out there? I don't even know what's going on. But he focused on Jesus. And then he stepped out and did something. And that's what God's inviting us to do. And I've seen it all the time. And it's, it's probably one of the most disturbing things. Like, Bob, your reaction is exactly the reaction that, that I have when, when, you know, my fear is disappointing people. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm a, I'm a full-time lead pastor. That's a big part of my job is disappointing people every week, you know? So I have to, I had to learn how to tolerate that I'm going to stand in front and speak every weekend. And I'm going to have meetings where I'm going to have to make difficult decisions. Mm -hmm. I have to learn how to tolerate that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like there's so many different things that, are being hit in pastors in this, and especially the way that you landed the plane there with, you know, the fear of disappointing people. And Jason, could, could we ask you to just pray for pastors and, or just benedict us and send us off into, into a week yeah. where, where we actually have a little bit of knowledge and some understanding on maybe what's happening internally? Yeah, for sure. Let me pray for us and pray for everybody that's kind of tuned in. God, thank you for being with us when we're anxious. Thank you that it's not a sin for us to have unwanted thoughts and feelings in our mind and in our body. God, we, we know we can't control everything. And we're going to face a lot of things, God, that, that we're uncertain about. But thank you that when things are uncertain, when things are unclear, when our body and brain are sending us messages that don't line up with you, thank you that you love us, that you're right there with us. And thank you for giving us people in our lives who can love us through that and help us to keep going, to have grit, to have resilience. Mm -hmm. And God, would you give us wisdom if we need to make some of those new relationships or go see a counselor, go see a medical doctor? Because uh, some of us are really stuck in those. We're stuck in that valley, and you want to get us through that mm. valley. God, thank you for being with us, whether we can feel it or not. May you continue to guide us, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Monday Morning Pastor podcast today. Could you do us two favors? Number one, would you leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your pods? If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you could help us to spread the word. And number two, would you share this episode with two other pastors or leaders who you think would benefit 
from MMP. We would be deeply grateful if you could help us. Thanks in advance and thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.